0: And welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I will be your host alongside returning from a week off, vacation, (laughs) time away. Just got fed up with us. I don't know what it was. I went soul
1: searching. I just had to. Soul searching,
2: okay. (laughs) She got got tired of our obsession with movie music.
1: That's got to be it.
2: (laughs) Well, then she has terrible,
0: terrible timing because guess what's coming? Mark LaRocco also on board. We got the three of us. The team is back together this week. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about some more movie music. Partially because there's not a whole lot else to talk about. Because it's August. <laughs> 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 wow. don't, let it, don't, don't usually see a lot of great movies coming
2: out in August. Do you guys
0: feel yeah, the same it's, way?
2: It's true. It's sort of the movie doldrums. Because it's the end of the summer. Like all the big summer blockbusters um usually are like may june july yeah um even though may is technically not summer and then and then the oscar bait you know the award winning type movies usually start in about september i mean generally you know um august is a little bit of a dead month although i think i think guardians of the galaxy may have been an august release there have been a few really good august releases yeah but just not a ton
1: yeah i think there are some that kind of like sneak in a little bit um I know this was more September, but I think June came out last year around like start of September and yeah. August like around there, right? Like
0: there, there, I mean, there are a handful of exceptions, definitely. Like yeah. you can, you can, if if you, if you're paying attention, good movies will come out throughout the year. It's just some periods of the year, they're kind of under the radar, right? Like I've always, it, it's always seemed to me like, I mean, January is usually just kind of awful because <laughs> if anything was good enough to come out in the holidays, it would have come out during the holidays or on Christmas. Right. And so if it's coming mm-hmm. out in January, there's usually a reason that they haven't bothered to release it yet. <laughs> and in the, I think yeah. August is the same way, right? Like right. If, it, if they're going to release it in the summer, but they don't think it's going to be, you know, maybe they don't think it's good enough to compete with some of the other summer blockbusters, mm-hmm. then they're not going to bring it out when it's against, you know, the big Marvel release or star Wars or whatever, they're going to kind of wait till the tail end of summer. And then, and then, yeah, if it's coming out in September, Ooh, yeah, that's, so those are kind of like those, those two little windows just,
2: they're not the best.
0: And I wonder, well, I wonder with guardians, if the reasoning was, we don't know how this is going to go over because unlike so many of the other Marvel movies, you know, nobody really knew other than kind of the diehard fans, nobody knew who the guardians were. And so maybe, you know, I could see why they wouldn't have put that one out in May,
2: so to speak. Yeah. You know? And I did just confirm the release date was August 1st. Was it August 1st? So it really was like closer to normal summer release, but yeah. technically August. But mm-hmm. I've, heard, I've heard January um, by more than one critic referred to as dumpuary <laughs> oh. in, in movie dump because... That's usually when studios do dump their movies that they just yeah. know aren't gonna yeah. make much money. And sometimes they'll release a like a kind of a quirky little action movie or something that's like, hey, there's no competition. Let's see if we could make a hundred million with yeah. this or something. Right. A lot of those Liam Neeson movies that we, we see now, it seems like every year they're almost always a January release.
0: It's a tradition. And they know they're
2: <laughs> never gonna be the biggest box office movie of the year, but they're gonna make something. And people kind of the, the Liam Neeson heads. They expect it to come out in right, January. right? That's With the exception of
0: Paddington 2, which came out in January and was fantastic.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm serious. That.
0: Paddington it's 2, if you have January. not seen Paddington 2, it's a I really fantastic
2: movie. It's okay. very,
0: very funny. It's a great, uh, I think your kids would love it, Mark. That would be a, that would be a good one. Um, I'll, I'll watch it.
2: If, if you watch Babe 2, Pig in the City, I'll watch Paddington 2. <laughs>
0: Will I be confused if I haven't seen
2: Babe 1?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen Babe? Farm.
0: Um, you know it's funny i haven't because as as a huge fan of the mad max movies you would think Uh that i would have expanded out to see what the same director had done elsewhere because i'm pretty (laughs) sure that uh uh, george miller right yeah i think he he directed the babe movies and the mad max movies which is just infinitely hilarious it's, well i mean it makes oh. sense
1: they're like basically the same really. it's
0: kind of interchangeable you know yeah it's yeah. basically the same story just it's a pig versus a guy in a
2: post-apocalyptic nightmare world yeah yeah so it it's so funny when you look at his his movie um i mean i agree with you because i thought the same thing matt three mad max movies actually four Including the new the new one from twenty fifteen. Yeah. And then Babe and Babe Pig in the city and happy feet and happy feet too. Did he do the Happy Feet movies? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and then he did Three Thousand Years of Longing, which is coming out this year, which looks just completely wild, trippy, insane. Yeah, no, I and, saw the trailer
1: for that today. It looks crazy.
2: Yeah, he, he just has such an interesting filmography. It's really now, unlike anyone else's. He's gonna be doing another Mad Max movie, right? They're, they're yeah. doing a follow-up. Oh, I
0: bet. Furiosa,
2: I think it's yeah. called Furiosa.
0: Yeah, because yeah, that yeah. Uh, Fury Road was amazing. That was...
2: I need, I need to see that one still. Getting so much spot.
0: out of so little plot. <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: Drive well, this direction, turn around, yes. drive back kay. this direction. That's the, <laughs> that's all right, the, we're all... Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you meant our podcast Hot is going
0: off in a different direction than Oh, our do. podcast I don't know, maybe yeah, maybe our maybe our mm-hmm. podcast could use some plot twists, who knows
2: mm-hmm. we'll
0: see we'll see what we can come up with. We'll see what happens. maybe I'll have a few surprises around. I'll around just the disappear
1: corner. again we'll do yeah,
0: one. yeah, right, right, you know I'm who knows yeah. you never know who's going to be there, who's not <laughs> you know but uh in in the, the meantime twist. so so okay, so kind of bearing the lead, I guess being August, not a whole lot coming out and uh, made especially complicated when the movies that are coming out aren't being screened um, because probably around the time that you're listening to this, uh, Bullet Train is coming out the uh, first first weekend in August, but they didn't, not, uh, they didn't uh, screen it for local critics. And so uh, we're recording this before I will have had a chance to actually see Bullet Train. So I can't tell you if Bullet Train's any good. And I'm mm. disappointed because, based on the trailer, I was actually kind of looking forward to seeing it. Um, uh, tr- traditionally, if uh, if they don't screen something, that's a bad sign. It's uh, mm. they're, usually they're trying to hide something, right? right? There've been there've been plenty of movies. Now, now sometimes it's because they're trying to hide the movies. Sometimes it's because they already know what the critics are going to say. Like after after a while, they stopped screening the Transformers movies because they didn't think there was any point. I think the last at least up until like they they screened bumblebee that was a good one um i think they knew that that was a good movie but the the last couple it was was different than the
1: others for sure so yeah
0: oh i loved it i i felt like bumblebee was the kind of transformers movie that people like me who grew up with the original transformers were waiting for the whole time um but the last couple michael bay ones i i just had to go like see midnight screenings on thursday night or something with go I would, see I it would, with the
1: rest of us like a peasant <laughs> like a
0: <laughs> all of the all of the common people <laughs> no it was it was great i would actually i would actually grab a couple friends and and we'd go see these just because we knew that it was just going to be kind of this i mean they're pretty consistent You know whether whether you loved them or hated them or fell somewhere in between, you'd have to say they were pretty consistent from movie to movie. And so, knowing what we were going to be getting into, we tried to make it just kind of a uh, a goofy, fun experience. But yeah. So anyway, um, so no no news on on no nothing to report on for Bullet Train yet. But Danny, you had a chance to go see a movie that has been out for a little bit and uh, wanted to report on that. So I'm going to pitch it over to you to talk about some ads.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, I wasn't planning on seeing this movie. I wasn't sure, I was kind of like iffy on it and the um, release totally snuck up on me. And then I was seeing, you know, Marcel, Mr. Malcolm's List, like a whole bunch of stuff, right? And um, I knew about this movie um, because the book, um, Where the Crawdads Sing is, just, it was just so popular when it was released. Um, I knew about it from my mother-in-law, who's an avid reader. They read it for book club, and she really enjoyed it, and um, it it felt like something like maybe I'll read it, maybe I won't, I don't know, and and, um, maybe it's because of this. I'm like, I'll just wait for the movie, right? And then I'll get all the information, and the movie has come out, and um, another reason I was hesitant about it, there are a couple reasons, Um, it was slammed by critics, and um, there was a lot of like sexual content in the trailers which makes a lot more sense now that I've seen the movie, but it's like, usually that's kind of a no-go for me. It turns me off. So, but I was just like, I have nothing else to watch this week. So maybe I'll go see it, see it with my mother-in-law, see what she thinks of like how it adapted and everything. And um, we both really, really enjoyed this one. Um, Very faithful adaptation for one. Um, And just, I, I think the story of it was very interesting and I can see why it's a very popular book. Um, just to give a little premise, um, basically it's kind of this murder mystery, um, especially at the start, um, body of Chase Andrews, who's kind of popular in town, jock, prominent family, you know, that kind of guy. Um, he's found dead, and um, a lot of talk in the town leads to the investigators kind of pointing their finger at this girl named Kaya, who lives in the marshes, and um, there's already been like a lot of gossip about her. And so it's kind of like almost a witch hunt sort of. And um, she's brought in uh, for, the, for a trial um, to you know, see if she's guilty or not guilty for this murder. And as we're seeing the court proceedings, um, we also hear her tell her whole life story basically, just how she grew up in this abusive home um, ended up kind of raising herself, um, all of her romantic adventures, <laughs> basically. And um, it, it's definitely a thriller. It's very interesting how they wove everything together. So, and, and it's something I really, really love about parallel stories. Um, you guys talked about Godfather last week, of course. Um, talking about gangster movies um i love the godfather part two because there's something about parallels and like your brain making those connections of the two stories even if Mm -hmm. things aren't quite connected but like you know through editing and directing you can kind of see it like i just think it's a very smart way of storytelling and I, i just i love it so much this movie they did an amazing job with it where um I realized kind of at the end, I'm like, they totally manipulated me, but it was great. It was so good, such a fun ride um, for that reason. And um, I was so impressed with all the performances. Um, in my w- written review, I talk a lot about uh, the leads, so like Kaya, Tate, Chase, you know, those guys, but also I have to say um, David Strathair, um as the lawyer, Michael Hyatt and Sterling Macer Jr. play this couple who help uh, Kaya out um they're just they're really sweet really fun they bring a lot of much needed comic relief uh, because there's a lot of heavy elements to this story there's a lot of sexual content um there's a rape scene well technically kind of a rape scene um and a, a lot of like abuse like you see the father actually hitting the mom actually hitting the kids and like typically you know it's not shown that blatantly so like that might be kind of Disturbing. It's, it's supposed to make you feel a little uncomfortable with these things mm-hmm. because there's sort of this contrast of like, you know, human civilization and nature and how nature is kind of almost more controlled and more peaceful, but it's like the people who make everything chaotic and awful, right? And people are flawed and, um, and that was super interesting. So like, you know, be aware of those mature things mm-hmm. in it and see if that's something you feel comfortable watching. What's um,
0: What's the rating yeah. on this one?
1: PG-13.
0: It is PG, so okay, so yeah. it is PG-13, so, but it's yeah. got content that would be kind of uncomfortable. So yeah. if it's if it's not as graphic and explicit, it still might be something that's kind of upsetting.
1: Exactly, like it's, yeah. it's not graphic. Um, I mean, the violence and the punches, like I, I, for one of my titles, I was kind of thinking, I'm like, it doesn't hold back punches. Cause like, you know, you see the punches hit, <laughs> right? But, <laughs> but doesn't like with, pull
2: any punches,
1: yeah, <laughs> exactly. But with the sexual content, like it's just like you're seeing the full sex scenes, not graphically, um, but like it, it is kind of prolonged. Some things will make you blush a little bit, so like you, you know, know it, while it's, well, it's not showing things, things you're, you're very, very much in that, that scene. scene, whether yeah. it's like you know, um a positive experience for the character or a negative in circumstance of rape, right? So I don't know, just something to consider there because critics have slammed this movie quite a bit. I did, um, I did
0: notice that there was kind of a negative response yeah, to it. Yeah,
1: but audiences are loving it. And, and I think like a lot of the times I can see why there's that difference and here I can see it too, but it, this time around it kind of makes me a little upset because like this movie is so well-made And like, I don't like it when a movie that actually was creative and well written and maybe most of it is attributed to like the book because, you know, they didn't come up with this story. Right. But the way that they're able to visually show that mystery, it's just it's so cool. Like um, my husband started sending me texts. since he, he's he gone to work and he's like oh my goodness and in this scene it was totally foreshadowing this and i was like oh my goodness you're so right like i hadn't seen that it was so cool
2: the critics score could almost not be more different like the yes. audience score yeah. is 96 percent the tomato meter is 34 mm-hmm. percent so it, and sometimes and i like watching these movies because usually i do like them maybe i'm more of the audience but like my, my dad, you know, and you said you gave a positive endorsement. My dad texted us, me, our, you know, me and my sisters and stuff about three or four days ago saying, go see this movie. She, he was like, go see this movie as soon as you can. Don't take the kids.
1: Yeah, so, no, absolutely you know, don't take the kids. Kind of like what I'm you very said. Good. But yeah.
2: He liked it enough to just like recommend it randomly in a text to us, you know. And so I, I do plan to see it. But I'm, I, like I said, I'm reading it now. I thought I'm just going to read it since we have the book and then I'll go see it.
1: I do things totally backwards it's like I watch the movie and then I can go and read the book and I'm not having to think about it too hard because I know the plot already and I can visualize it but no I I think totally do it it's a very very interesting story and like I think it there's a lot of controversy tied to it so maybe the critics are feeling like they have to kind of go against the movie Mm -hmm. another thing I was thinking of um, this movie reminded me a lot of the glass castle in 2017. Did you guys see that one with Brie Larson? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I really
0: liked that movie. That was I a great book I loved
1: that movie. But that one yeah. was based on a memoir. Like that was yeah. that was a true story. But yeah. um, And it I wasn't
0: rem- it was kind of didn't, didn't it also have kind of a negative general reaction? Like I, yeah. I seem to remember exactly. being one of the few people who gave it a positive review. Like I exactly. gave it a really positive review and then was surprised to see that a lot of people didn't like it.
2: Yeah I, so I didn't really like it but maybe that was because I was one of those snobby people who read the book first <laughs> and didn't like it cuz the book was really really good and the movie yeah. was okay. So, I don't know. That's why
1: you see the movie yeah. first and you're not I know, I know.
2: I broke the rule.
0: <laughs> well, it, so I mean this actually kind of plugs into something that I try to really reinforce with my students is the the idea of text and context, right? Because yeah. if you're just looking at the movie by itself and you're not considering any of the context in which it was made, i.e., the idea that it was adapted from a book, then it might just be great. You know, but if you're a diehard fan of the book and you're expecting to see XYZ and then you don't see XYZ, then no matter how good the movie is and no matter what justifications they may have had to make changes, it's going to drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of wonder if that's, that's kind of what's going on with the Crawdads movie is that the movie itself is one thing, but there's a reaction to the controversy around it or, or some of the more contextual elements um, because it does seem like that happens from time to time
1: yeah well and i think when it's like dealing with heavier stuff so this is what i remember from the reviews of glass castle because like that was my favorite movie of the year and um i I was like oh i i hope it's gotten a good tomato rating and like audience was pretty good but then critics like it was like below 30 for a while now i think it's back up to 50 um but like it was slammed hard and i think a lot of people are all like this is all too rose colored and this is all romanticized, and the book showed that it was a lot grittier and because Woody Harrelson gave like such a charismatic performance where even though he's kind of this negligent father like you, you kind of do like his character um, especially over time so mm-hmm. and that was another one where there's kind of those like parallel stories of like the past and the present, so I don't know there were those elements to it, but also just made me and in my written review, I talk about you know, romanticizing
2: versus versus
1: reality reality. and And how how, the way I I think this movie movie is really different and that that a lot of people are missing out on is the fact that that it's taking those romanticized ideas. It's like, what if a girl just like lived off of nature and, you know, she's kind of this myth in the town. But what's so fascinating is like the whole idea of this story is about really finding out who somebody is. And so, you know, as you're kind of unpacking the story you're kind of losing that that myth that romanticized view of who the marsh girl is and instead you see her more as a real person and her motivations and all these things and how you know these guys who've kind of had fallen for her like it was almost like I don't know, kind of an infatuation, really. Like, it wasn't, real, like, they didn't know her sometimes. And so, like, I don't know. I thought that was so interesting. But then, like, just saying, oh, it's just, um, what was the one thing I saw? Like, ma- Marsh Core, kind of like Core, where it's, like, oh, idealized style. It's an aesthetic. And um, sure, this movie, totally, it's stylish. It's beautiful. But, like, I think that's the point, is that you know, you're seeing something that's romantic and unreal and then seeing the reality in it. And I thought that was amazing. So I don't know. Critics are wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that definitely sounds like a thumbs up from Danny and uh, Mark, if you go ahead and see it after you read the book, you can give us your two cents and, and I'll, I'll give at least a cent and a half, I'm sure at some point. So, but in the meantime, let's talk some, some music guys. We, uh, (laughs) <laughs> we started this process and realized that we had to cut it in half because as we started thinking about soundtracks a while back, we decided that, well, I think we can talk about kind of your various artists soundtracks, like kind of your Quentin Tarantino compilations and and uh, Wes Anderson movies and stuff, but you can also talk about your scores, which might even be more I guess, appropriate for movie, you know, cause you probably think when, when you think about movie music, you're probably thinking scores before you're thinking about the various artist stuff. Maybe we got it backwards. Sure. Um, <laughs> and so, so, yeah. So, so we wanted to jump back in that, that discussion and break down some of our favorites. And as we did it, I don't know how the experience was for you guys. I mean, I think that we, we usually kind of have the struggle of trying to narrow down our favorites and all this kind of thing. I had kind of a different struggle this time because all of my favorites were from the same guy. <laughs> and, and my, my list seemed like it was less a list of favorite movie scores and more a, my favorite John Williams scores. Um, because I seriously, you know, and I think, I think we're going to expand our, our usual uh, breakdown this time, you know, uh, instead of three movies each, we were going to pick five. And even with the expanded numbers, I could easily give you five, John Williams scores um, and so I don't know did you guys have kind of a similar experience narrowing it down or I mean I, not necessarily just because of John Williams but how did you was was this one easier than the previous one was it harder it, what do you think
2: for, for me it was harder to narrow it down I, I have a lot of a lot of favorites and then I have a lot that I really want to to have mentioned and so it's hard for me to like Zach. cut them out um, so yeah there's to me there's a good I mean, I, I, could, I could easily come up with the top 15 or so of film scores that I like and that I heard a lot and many of which I listened to over and over again.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think I think for me it was hard because there was like a broad range of like people I wanted to highlight, certain styles, what I'm looking for. And I kind of came to the conclusion of like, I feel like we all know what the best movie scores are. Cause it's like John Williams and it's like Trumpets of blaze. Like we all know the, the melodies, like that's what immediately comes into our minds initially. Right? So I kind of wanted to more focus on ones where it's like, Hey, I, I think this one's a great recommendation. Maybe one you don't think of initially mm-hmm. uh, one that I don't think of as much initially. Um, so, you know, hopefully there was a little more variety but even then like I I did kind of more of a top 10 list because I'm like oh but what about like this movie or this artist and like it was just so hard um because like I mean my thought is that like a a score will really like stamp a movie like this is a classic this is going to be a staple um you know for for you know decades right like that's Mm -hmm case with John Williams and I and I have this theory with like Star Wars specifically that if Star Wars didn't have the music that it did it would kind of be a little more of a like nerdy not typical pick for a movie it, it would be more like a Star Trek where it's like oh you're one of those guys into that. but it's like everyone loves it and like everyone knows the music you know yeah. it's just yeah. so iconic right so I don't know I, I, I feel
0: I support like, your theory 100% yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've, I've thought that many times is that I think that and and not that he hasn't already given the credit, but I think George, o, George Lucas owes a lot to John Williams because For sure. the way that and, and the way that I try to illustrate this is that if you think about if he had taken a different direction in terms of scoring the movie instead of doing kind of a, a classical orchestral score like with John Williams, because um, mm-hmm. a few years later and now I, I realize that there are probably a lot of things people could point out with this movie, but uh, the David Lynch version of Dune, I think had more of kind of a, like a progressive rock score. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the band, but there, there was a, there was an actual band that, that kind of provided the music and, or, or was it that way? Well, and then queen did flash Gordon. Right. And, and, you know, very, very campy type of sound. And, and so I think that the, the sophistication and the seriousness and the, you know, by, by using an orchestra instead of a rock band, you have more of the, a galaxy, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, just kind of removed from our kind of universe. And just, which is a roundabout way of saying, Danny, you're 100% right. I think, I think that, that, that star, sometimes I want to say that 50% of the quality of star Wars comes from its music.
1: And, I agree. Yeah, totally.
0: And it, it, it would not be the same thing without it. Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I agree, too. So with Dune, I, I did I just wikied it really quickly. It was yeah, who Toto, was it? It was to- okay, totally. Yeah, so it is it was Brian a band, Eno. right. Yeah, and so it was. They scored much of the film's music. Um, but with Star Wars, you know, with great movies, I think with, like, all great movies, and you could probably talk about all great movies this way, w- truly great movies, everything really kind of comes together. And you get an uh, just undeniably great sound, you know score soundtrack direction cinematography acting you know and I know like Star Wars doesn't exactly check all those boxes I mean for example the acting isn't like considered to be the greatest what are you full saying? time or the oh, writing but that's not why people go you to see Star the Wars flames. movies oh but but the music. let me get back to the music so <laughs> so the music is so good and, and and it's and it's not just one song there's many songs oh, in right. Star Wars that are you got the cantina band and the emperor, the, the, the march Imperial. of yeah. yeah. Imperial, march, Imperial and, march. Yeah. And this main theme of Star mm-hmm. Wars, which is, I mean, just so classic. And so there's a lot of great uh, music in that, that it's just, we, we bought. So one of the things we bought in our house was the piano music from the Star Wars trilogy. And there's great songs from all three of them that, that you don't hear. Oh, yeah. in the other ones even yeah. in, in No. And that's,
0: that was something that's, that's, jumped out to me as I was trying to think too, is that I can think of a lot of great movie themes that I really liked, yes. but I felt like, well, if I'm going to put something on my my top list, it can't just be because of one song. There has to be right. one theme. It ha- there has to be you know multiple pieces that I remember and that I recall. And, and I think that's part of why I, I felt like I kept wanting to pick John Williams scores is because- <laughs>
1: all throughout well
0: because he usually will come up with a different theme for each major character and Mm -hmm. and those will be very different where you know because some of some of the other movies i was thinking of i i love their scores but more often than not it's kind of a variation of the same theme Mm -hmm. throughout the movie that is really anchoring the score which is fine but uh but it kind of felt like well to be one of the best ones, right. It just can't be that one theme. So that was, that was kind of what I tried to use to, to separate the, you know, the good from the best. Mm-hmm. Well, so who wants to start us off then? We got 15 of these plus all of the, cause we're each going to mention about 20 additional
1: I know. honorable
2: mentions. I so know. we better get <laughs> rolling. I I'll go ahead. Okay. Um, so I feel like we're since we are going to go into a lot of cla- uh, you know I don't know classical orchestral type stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit of a detour near the beginning and
1: oh dang it I was hoping you'd take that off of my hands
2: oh okay well I'll I do it. no 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 it's all good I'll it's go ahead good. and do it it's it's the social network um, oh yeah okay yeah I figured I figured Atticus, you're gonna do this one <laughs> Ross and uh, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails and. It is, I just think, wow, it's such, so first of all, one of the things I think makes a a film score great is if, first of all, you want to have a good movie and if the music can sort of encapsulate the movie or match the movie in some way, in addition to elevate it, but like Mm -hmm. if it goes with it, you know, I mean, we've seen movies before and I know I've seen movies before where I just felt like the music didn't quite fit. Um, for example, as much as I love Hans Zimmer, and I'll get to him a little bit later, the Dunkirk soundtrack I did not enjoy or appreciate very much. Mm. Um, it just didn't go to me with the World War II theme. It felt more modern than than I wanted. And um, but in like with the social network, uh, I, I think, gosh, what if a computer or a computer like human, who was in charge of connecting millions of humans to other humans, composed music? This feels like computer composed music, yet it's, it's got this driving beat. It's obsessive. It's like a nonstop kind of piece of electronica. It has its softer kind of slower moments, you know, Mm -hmm. songs. Um, But it's kind of repetitive, like a computer algorithm, like a computer program. And it almost feels like you're in an endless loop, but it's like an endless loop you don't really want to get out of because it's so good. It's an earworm. A lot of the songs in it are just, they're catchy hooky kind of earworms and it's weird for me to even say this because I don't I'm not I wouldn't consider myself even like an aficionado of electronica or that that kind of music but this is one soundtrack that's just gotten into me and I I love I love listening to I listen to it all the time I mean it has sort of a you know parts of it are sort of ominous and if you've seen the movie I mean it's sort of about you know pride and ambition and betrayal and mm-hmm. and you know what will people do to become to get to where they're going to get um at least that's part of it part of the theme um so there's a certain darkness to it and it's you know it's not to everyone's taste uh, for example my wife she loves the movie but she doesn't like the music she doesn't like the soundtrack it kind of it's almost anxiety inducing I think for her. well
0: I think it's interesting that you um, mentioned that you listen to it on your own outside of the movie. Right? I do, and I don't because, think, I don't know because it doesn't strike do. me as the kind of soundtrack that you would do that for. But
2: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's that's it's a kind great of what separates your favorites, right? Is it something word. that well, yeah. I don't have to listen to, I don't have to be watching the movie. I can enjoy the soundtrack by itself.
2: Right. Yeah, and it is true. I listen to it a lot, and it's uh it, yeah, the whole thing is great. It has a little not not all of it is original. There's a there's a kind of a modernized version of "In the Hall of the Mountain King" by Edward Grieg, I think, um, that's a fast sped up version that is playing when they're they're doing it. There's a yacht race in England and they're all oh,
0: right. Right. Yeah.
2: Anyway. And but most of it is original music by by Ross and Resner. Um, I think they won. I, I have to double check, but I believe they won the Oscar for it, too, which was, I think, kind of a daring choice by the voters um, since it's, you know, a little bit of an unusual, non-traditional, uh, you know, soundtrack or score, actually. So yeah, that's my first choice, the social network. Oh do you want to go through all? okay Oh yeah, I'll go I'll go through. Um, yeah, so another one that I really like is, and I believe this is the first CD I ever bought of a film score uh, 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 a film music that was just a score, not like songs you know like mm-hmm. like we did before with the soundtracks. Um, and it's from the movie Glory mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you remember this movie. Oh, it's a 1989 yeah. movie about, um, it's a Civil War movie about the first sort of all black regiment that fought. Um, and uh, and then they were they're headed by Colonel, I think Shaw, who was played by Robert or by Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's got a lot of you know, emotional moments, moments of bravery and sacrifice, and and it's uh and it kind of teaches you about a story, kind of a little piece of the Civil War, a lot of people probably didn't know about before the movie. But the music is by the boy. It's written by James Horner, who more famously wrote Titanic eight years after this, including the the Celine Dion song, My Heart Will Go On. So he wrote the music for glory and he had the boys choir of Harlem do the music. They do most of the music. And so it's angelic almost like they're um they're willing the soldiers to battle you know these angel voices of of these these black children that are from the boys choir of harlem um and almost inspiring these soldiers to fight in this key battle that helps turn the tide of of the war even though they don't do too well in the battle if you've seen the movie but it kind of inspires the union to recruit more black soldiers and end up recruiting something like 150,000 more that helps they're credited with helping to win the war eventually. And um, that, you know, the union defeating the Confederacy and, and this, and and it's got these like angelic voices, military drums, piccolo and flute. Um, And there's, there's some cool songs. There's one called a call to arms that starts out with just those voices. And then you hear the drums and then the full orchestra kind of sweeps in. And that's another one of those that CDs I just wore out. I mean, if you can wear out a CD, but I listened (laughs) to that thing for a long time. And I've, I've always liked the movie. It's kind of fallen out of favor as far as my like top lists of, of favorite movies, but I still love the soundtrack quite a bit. So, yeah, yeah I, don't, yeah.
0: I don't remember much about the music. I know James Horner for sure, but uh, mm. I, I definitely remember the movie.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's not his most famous work, but it's up there. Like I said, I think Titanic would be, probably be it, I, I believe. I might be missing something, but um, okay, another one. We're going to go even farther back. I guess I'm going from 2010 to 1989. Now we're going to go to the early 60s. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. Um, This one is by Ennio Morricone. Might have mentioned him earlier. And there's this great by the Danish orchestra uh, YouTube clip of, of them doing this. And they try to do the whole thing exactly as it sounded, you know, with all the different. It's a little bit complex. And and I, 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 I actually, because I couldn't have said it better than I went, I went and found a little blurb on Wikipedia describing the music. And here's what it says. It says, the music is complex and features soprano, recorder, drums, bass, ocarina, chimes, electric guitar, trumpets, whistling, and lyrics sung by a choir, including simple words like wah, 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 go, 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 a go, and hoo, 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 et cetera. <laughs> and so if you, if you hear the song, you'll, you'll know what I mean. Like there's these choir voices that are singing words, but you don't, you're not really supposed to understand the words. They're just okay. kind of like singing notes. And, and, um, it almost sounds like Indian war whoops or something. And, it, you know, it's an old West story about three major characters that are all trying to kind of get the same thing. Um, and th- and they call it, you know, one's called the good one's called the bad one's called the ugly. And they, um, Anyway, the, the music is, it's, it's, it's much parodied, you know, often parodied, you, you hear it repeated, whenever there's like an Old West duel, there's like an looming, you know, imminent shootout between two characters, you'll often hear this music, even in like cartoons yeah. or other music. And it's, it's funny, it's just kind of this classic eight note set. Um but the whole soundtrack, and including that whole main theme, that that main theme of it is much kind of richer and deeper and even weirder than that. When you hear the whole thing, it just has so many different elements to it, but they 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 fit. And um and he worked this Morricone composer worked a lot with Sergio Leone the director, in making these spaghetti westerns. Yeah. You know, so he would score he scored a lot of his his um his movies, um and he was kind of he he. Scored for something like fifty-five years or fifty years before he won an Oscar, which was just about three or four years ago for a Tarantino movie. Oh so he—he he was That's uh, crazy. Yeah, that was um, one of the oldest first-time winners I think in in Oscar history. Okay, um, I I kind of picked my adventure soundtrack like an <laughs> adventure movie, adventure soundtrack. I feel that. And and it's uh, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is by yes john williams that's one of his many many um great soundtracks and it just it puts you back into that 1930s you know hunt for a treasure kind of uh kind of movie and it's it's really i don't know i don't know the word like motivational it pumps you up i mean it's just it conveys that sense of sense of excitement that kinetic energy that you get that in this sort of fast paced, you know, action movie that I consider maybe the perfect action movie. Um, you know, one of the yeah. best action movies ever made. And it's another one where the music just does it matches it perfectly. I mean, the Williams matches Spielberg beat for beat in this in this thing. Um, and the, the main song that you hear is called the Raiders March. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a great one. That's another one of my favorite ones. And I, I kind of, she did and tied that one with Back to the Future. Another one yeah, um, no
1: the one great action. It
2: features brass, kind of like this one, you know, and has has a recognizable, you know, kind of hook to it. And that one's by Alan Silvestri,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, who's, who also did like the music for Forrest Gump um, and, and a lot of other movies. But that's that's kind of my favorite of, of his is the Back to the Future soundtrack. Yeah. Um, well, that
1: one's fabulous. To go back yeah. to Indiana Jones real quick, that, that one was my um, second pick on my top five list. Uh-huh. Just because, like, if you don't love the Raiders March, you have no soul. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is just yeah. the coolest little theme. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. I, I Like, anytime I'm on a plane, I just imagine, like, I'm like, I'm on adventure now. You know, like, it's just, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. I love that one so much. Well, it's and and also not about that. That's, yeah, kind it of that great. same adventure feel. Absolutely. And I like
2: that they're both the same time period, 1981 and 85 Raiders and Beck's future. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, but oh, Raiders yeah. is also
0: a great example of what we were talking about before where there's, I mean, because the Raiders march is really, you know, here's that word, iconic. But mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, there are all kinds of other themes that oh, yeah. are very mm-hmm. memorable. I remember that like the Marion's theme is really great. Um, it's lighter. I think, and Yeah. well, I think one of my favorite passages of music in the whole movie is the... I, I can't remember what it was called if it's called the chase, but it's, it's when it's the scene where Indiana he starts off on the horse and he's trying to run down the arcs in the back of the truck and he has to chase it down on the, on the horse, jump onto the truck, beat up all of the Nazis to go yeah. to the truck and all that. Like there's this, this really great passage that is just, it's, it's also kind of a March, but it's different from the, the main theme and yeah, no Raiders was on my list too. Yeah. But yeah. honestly, honestly, if we, if we, if, if Danny and I have to go with just our top four.
1: <laughs> that's okay. Well, now everything that I have tied for sixth place can have a little wiggle room. So. Okay, well, that's <laughs> good because, yeah,
2: and I agree with you about the, about the whole thing because, like, it's not just one song. It's not just the Raiders March. In fact, yeah. when they show the arc, and even when near the beginning of the movie, there's a scene where they're just showing pictures of the arc and what it does just in a book they're looking in mm-hmm. an old history with pictures you hear this almost like magical chime sort of supernatural otherworldly music that williams just throws in there for like a minute or a minute and a half and it really has nothing to do with the main theme but it's it's representing like the wonder and the mystery of the arc itself mm-hmm. um that and again it just fits perfectly the movie um or great. even
1: just the opening like that opening is magical
2: mm-hmm. like the last time oh, I, yeah.
1: I got to see it, i was in a theater i was at the utah theater in logan uh, with oh. a full crowd and like everyone's just like oohing and awing because it's like it's just such an incredible experience seeing it again where it, it it really is unbelievably just i don't know transports you into that world immediately with those mm-hmm. first opening notes with the kind of you know vague shots of indiana and then like him coming from this this smoke right like yeah. um uh, yeah it's it's just it's so so great from start to end that whole score but
2: yeah Yep. well let me i'll i guess i'll do my last one then and then good. we'll see i if i had well, known so you guys were in future was players, a cheat well it was a cheat but this one is i had to get a uh, there's so much good music for me in those pixar movies i had to just pick one Ooh. and it's from inside out michael giacchino i think that's how you say his name yeah um he probably is slightly more famous for married life, which is kind of the main theme of Up, which is a really really oh, okay. great
1: oh well music. yeah, yeah. music. Um,
2: but the score yeah. I like for Inside Out, where he kind of gives little musical pieces to each of the characters. There, there's a main theme that that's played, and it's played pretty much right near the beginning of the movie. That's a nice little theme that I've I've learned to sort of plunk out on the piano. But you know how it has these these characters that are represented their emotions. You know, joy and disgust and sadness and anger, and, mm-hmm. and they each kind of have their own little musical themes. Um, but a lot of the movie comes together, and even um, I can't remember the weird character played by Richard Kind that's like the friend. Anyway, it's like this elephant looking character that I'm forgetting his name.
0: Oh, yeah. I know um, you talking about.
2: Bing Bong or something like that. That sounds
0: right. That sounds right. <laughs> I don't
2: remember. Cheech and Chong. Just kidding. <laughs> that's,
0: that. Oh, that's that was it.
2: That was it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But it's, it's such nice music. Like it's, it's just kind of creative, a little bit of jazziness in there. And, um, but again, elevates and matches what, what the director's doing. And so I, I love that one quite a bit. And it's, it's also one of the better, I think Pixar movies. So generally it's hard for me to really, like all these are movies that I like. I just, I can't, I do have one honorable mention. That's a movie. I don't really like that. I like the music from, but that's just very rare for me. <laughs> so yeah, these are all, all movies I think are great. Okay. I love those. So yeah, we'll,
0: we'll wait in anticipation of those instead. <laughs> so, so Danny, you and I have already lost one. Do you want to go yeah. now so that you do can not lose any more or do you want me to go?
1: No, no, what I can go for sure. Cause I, I was just thinking I, like Mark, from what you're saying, I, 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 I really liked how a lot of the scores you chose they really embody the story and the world and i think for me it's like the world especially Mm -hmm. um so it (laughs) this is kind of my like sixth place this slash this slash this but it's all kind of for the same reason because they're you know great movies great scores but like the reason why they're amazing is because they they chose specific instruments and you know had things play out a certain way so it really matched the world right um so some that i was just thinking of um godfather you know like you know that one was just so i don't know iconic i'm trying to think of other words i swear (laughs) but um i also thought of like braveheart with the bagpipes uh last mohicans you know like um those two especially just felt very, like, even though they had different instruments and different styles, it was very, like, earthy and kind of majestic. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I love the full orchestra, but also when you kind of bend it a little bit to to match the world you're trying to create. So then as soon as you enter the movie, you know, oh, this is so Italian, or oh, this is so Scottish, you know. Um, and, and I love that. Um, but for my now fourth pick, <laughs> um, I just thought of uh, Danny Elfman being so good at creating these weird fantasy worlds <laughs> with the music, um, instead of you know something that's a little more I don't know real with real cultures, right? Um, mm-hmm. I-, I love Edward Scissorhands, but I-, I was thinking my favorite Danny Elfman is probably Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. which you know that maybe like some people like, some people didn't. I I enjoyed it a lot. Um, But like, it's just so whimsical with like harp and choir and like, it just, you feel like a little feather floating through Wonderland. I think it's so fun. And I'm a little biased towards it too because when I was in um, my high school choir, we sang Alice's theme and um, I was a soprano and not to brag or anything, but every single note in that theme was so ridiculously high. (laughs) And um, I, I felt like one of those like falsetto boy choirs you know, in, like, a Catholic hall, and we're like, oh, you know, Um, but that one, I think, is just so, so fun. Um, I felt like I also had to give, like, a side note for adventure, too, because there's something about those adventure films that, I don't know, you gotta have good music for it, right? Um, The one I wanted to highlight was Stardust, which I will talk about any chance I can, because I, I think I've said this before, I think it is the perfect movie, where it's not necessarily my favorite but it's, like, every element was just incredible. Like, you know, they they didn't drop the ball on anything, and especially not in the music. Um, there's a, a part in particular that I think of a lot where there are, like, horses and chariots, like, all racing to one point. And it's, like, just super upbeat. And, like, if you're not bouncing along with it, just like with Raiders, you know, you have no soul. Um, and I just, I love the music for that movie so much. Um... Oh, um, I don't know if you guys would know this one, because it's it's an indie film. Um uh, but I do think it's pretty well known for its music. Uh is Little Miss Sunshine.
2: Okay. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Michael oh, Anna. that soundtrack is so yeah. good. It's not That's... that full
1: yeah. Yeah. It's not that full orchestra. Um, but like it, it feels like a little band. Like um, you know, you have your drum set going and um uh again it's kind of maybe i just like travel music a lot because it's it's always when characters are going from point a to point b and so you're kind of showing this montage you can't have a lot of dialogue so that's when you know you're really focused in on the music to carry you through that journey right and mm-hmm. so little miss sunshine kind of has that road trip storyline right and um yeah. especially like the we're not going to make it like it's those final moments and they're trying to get uh, to the pageant on time and um no, it's it's just it's so fun. The, the beginning is very beautiful. It's a little like slower and softer. So that's one that just all throughout every time it pops up on my Pandora station, it makes me very very happy.
2: Yeah, uh, I I love that one. I I'm glad you chose that. I that would have been that actually would have been one of my remembrances. I just didn't think of it, but I, that's another one I used to listen to all the time. It's by Devochka and Michael Dana. I don't know who they are, but. That Michael was...
1: Dana, that's interesting because Michael Dana did um where the crawdads sing.
2: Oh I, okay. I noticed
1: that as they were doing the um opening credits and and as they were doing the credits, I'm just like, man, this music's so nice and it just kind of feels like magical southern marshes. And Michael, Michael Dana popped up for that. He's he's got a good neck at I don't know, creating oh. something kind of unique and catchy and he's very good.
2: Wow, okay. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Yep. I love I love that one.
1: Yeah. Okay. And then top pick. Um, I am kind of, <laughs> I, I chose this one in part to redeem myself. Um, but as I was listening to all of these different soundtracks, I'm like, how do I want to rank these? Which ones am I forgetting? Um, was this not as good as I remembered? And I, as I listened to this one, I'm like, this is the best soundtrack. I don't know soundtrack. Is soundtrack. This is the best, um, film score, you know, but it kind of is a soundtrack. And so the reason why i'm saying it now is because i didn't bring it up at all during our soundtrack episode and it like i i just i i my heart broke <laughs> because i was like no, this one is so good but i feel a little better bringing it up with score because even though there are a lot of vocals in the soundtrack this is all music that was written for the movie so my
0: labyrinth
1: plot, oh my please God. be labyrinth that was a musical though isn't it no Okay. I mean,
0: David Bowie sings a couple of songs in it, but that's,
1: that's it's not true. a musical. That's true. No, because so it's not labyrinth. No, it's not labyrinth. No, uh, please and, tell
2: me, I'm on pins and needles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, basically, I'm I'm just a, a man who was born in the '70s because my favorite is Rocky. I think oh, yeah. that score is incredible, and it just like you know really pumps you up like nothing else. And um, as I was doing this deep dive, trying to, like, s- figure out if I could do this for the scores, I found out, like, yeah, they wrote all this music for the movie. Um, and then I thought, like, oh, what about I Have a Tiger? I Have a Tiger was written for Rocky III, which I didn't realize, um, but also written for the movie. So um, even um, Take You Back, which is kind of like the song that they're, like, singing. Yeah. The, the,
0: the little street corner.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, that song was written by Sylvester Shalom's younger brother. Um, even though it was kind of like that bebop sound, like it it was written for the movie. So, um, but yeah, Frank Stallone, right? What
0: is it? Frank, Frank Stallone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So it's just kind of cool how, you know, again, like using that music to build the world. And that was, that movie was just such a passion project, especially for Sylvester Stallone. And, um, I just, I think it's such a beautiful story. And so to have music, like, especially crafted for it's just, it's so good.
0: So so, did you say that you picked that one to redeem yourself or something?
1: Well, so, I uh, like, just to redeem myself from not mentioning it during the soundtrack episode, because, like, oh. like as, the moment I started editing, I was just like, how did I never mention that movie? Because uh, I, I think it songs?
0: definitely fits better as a score than a regular, than a...
1: I think so. I think you're, I think well,
0: so. no, and and bless your heart, genuinely, not sarcastically, because... I had completely blanked Rocky. And if I had thought of that after we recorded this, I'm still embarrassed that I didn't think of it. So I am so glad you brought it up because that (laughs) one, Bill Conti, I think Mm -hmm. is the composer and oh my goodness. Yeah. That's.
2: It's great. No no pun
0: intended. That is a winner. (laughs) No, it's that
2: is holy cow. Such a good one. It is. Yeah. And I, I have a little story about that. So I had a, I had a CD, actually, I think it was a tape on my mission of some film scores and it wasn't entire scores. It was like songs from movies, uh-huh. but it was, it was meant to be able to be listened to on a mission. Cause it wasn't like actual songs. It was, you know, film uh-huh. score songs. Yeah. But one of those was that going to fly now instrumental version from Rocky. Yeah. yeah. And I remember, and it's very like funky and it's got the drums and it's got the, it's got this bass guitar and uh-huh. you know, it, it gets really cool. And I remember one of my it wasn't even companion, it was a missionary I was like going on splits with at the time, but he I remember we listened to it and then he like wanted to listen to it again. Like it was so it was just such unusual music for a missionary to listen to and probably we weren't even technically supposed to, but it was just <laughs> really fun and motivational and just cool. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I like that choice a lot. No, that's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah
0: so, so was that your last one?
1: That's my top pick.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, um, I, I guess I should actually be grateful that, uh, that a couple of mine have been chosen because as we've been talking as expected, I keep thinking of, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So, um, I'll just start. I mean, so, so John Williams was one of the ones that you know, I, I, could, I could have just filled out the list with him, but I think, uh, especially since Raiders has already been selected, um, I'll just stick with one choice and, and that's going to be just the first Star Wars movie. Um, the, the original, the, I, I, I love a lot of the stuff from Empire Strikes Back, but Star Wars is kind of the one that, you know, kind of Danny, like you were saying with, with, uh, uh I can't remember if it was, if it was Alice, or if it was a different one, but it was something you just have a personal connection to it. I Star Wars is the soundtrack that we would listen to when my family was taking trips, road trips, when I was a kid, and so I know it. Went, I know it backwards and forwards, and and uh, I don't know. I, we we probably don't need to say a whole lot more about that one. We we know we know of its greatness, right? But um, that's another
1: one where you look forward to like the opening crawl, right? Yeah, as soon oh, yeah. as you pop it in, where it's just like yes. We're yeah.
0: now in this zone, right? It's, that's it what the it music is a does, very yeah. specific part of the experience, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but then, now you also mentioned, uh, I don't think you guys uh, officially picked this one, but you mentioned uh, the Godfather soundtrack. Oh, uh, yeah. N- yeah. Nino Rota. Um, really, really great stuff. Um, mostly built around two themes. There's kind of like a love theme and kind of like the main the main theme, but just some, some very atmospheric and uh, you know, very, very memorable, uh, little, little riffs that, uh, kind of like you say, I, I think Danny, you said that, you know, it, it, they give you an instant sense of, Oh, it's kind of like this old Italian, you know, it's kind of mysterious. There's, there's a little bit of a dark quality to it. Um, but that one, yeah, absolutely. Um, now you also mentioned, but I don't think actually named or well, you, you named, but didn't put on your list. Um, for me, my Danny Elfman choice is *Edward Hands. I absolutely adore that soundtrack front to back. Um, It's—I mean—it helps that it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, Tim Burton movies. Um, that whole—that whole era, kind of in the late '80s, early '90s, he just mm-hmm. was hitting movie after movie after movie, and and Elfman was his he, he was the the John Williams to his. Steven Spielberg slash George Lucas, <laughs> you know, really. Isn't that
1: interesting too the pairing. Oh yeah, it's like you know to keep that specific. Absolutely, sound in movies, absolutely. An identity.
0: No, yeah. I I think I think if we did if we did some research, I think that that happens quite a bit. I'm trying to think because I think didn't Hans Zimmer he did all of the the Batman Christopher Nolan movies right? But hasn't he also done other? Because didn't he also do Dunkirk? So has he done more Nolan
2: yeah, stuff? Yeah, I think he does
1: a lot with. Well,
2: yeah, yeah. Actually, my two of my honorable mentions are Inception and Interstellar, which are both on Zimmer. Yeah. And yeah, He did, he did those, and he did Dunkirk, and he did Dune, which I think he just right. won the Oscar Right, I was for. just
0: because that was another one I was looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think that oftentimes, you know, if there's there's got to be kind of a chemistry or just kind of a a sense that. Hey, this composer just kind of knows what I'm going for. And I'm going to keep going back to the same, the same one. You know, I, I, I think uh, Michael uh, Giacchino, uh, Giacchino, is that, uh, how was I it? How do we say were... it,
2: Giacchino? Yeah, but
0: because he's, he's worked with, um, oh crap, J.J. Oh, Abrams several times, mm-hmm. hasn't he? Haven't they paired up a few times? Because he, he did, he did Lost. He did some of the Star yeah. Trek, the, the new Star Trek movies. Um, oh I yeah. there was some other thing. I think, now did did John Williams do all of the new Star Wars or did he kind of pass the torch after
2: I think there was a little bit done in the last one or two Star Wars or maybe a lot done by um by another yeah. another one oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Anyway. Um but no no I think I think that uh you know there's there's definitely a history of of well and then Ennio yo, Morricone you know Teams up with uh now because who cause who did Good, Bad and the Ugly, the whole Sergio Leone. Sergio Leone, yeah. Yeah. No, and see, I was I was gonna even, you know, one of my kind of honorable mentions was gonna be Once Upon a Time in the Old West, just because I love that theme. You know, I I couldn't really vouch for the whole soundtrack because I think I've only seen the movie once, but the theme that I just adore. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um uh Edward Scissorhands was the one I left off on. Uh, So, and then one that I thought of while you guys were talking and would have been also very embarrassed if I hadn't thought of it uh, was just the Lord of the Rings trilogy Um, from, uh, is it Howard Shore? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Howard Shore is the one dude. Uh, Just such a, I don't know, I... I'd like to think that the Lord of the Rings trilogy would still be pretty good if the music had been different, but the music is really, yeah, and Mm -hmm. such a, such a perfect match for the kind of the scale and the grandiosity of, of that whole, you know, I, I don't even know that I would pick one of the three movies specifically because I don't remember a ton of differences between each one. You know, they, they seem pretty, pretty unified, you know, and maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'm mostly just kind of thinking of the main theme that they would always play when there's more walking. Oh, they are walking <laughs> on a mountaintop they're walking <laughs> on another mountain. You know, right. Yeah. We, we, we get the jokes, right. But um, no, but then, then there was one that I, I guess the only one that's kind of unique because all of these are all the ones I chose are pretty, pretty routine. I don't think there would be big surprises for most people, but, but one that, I almost kind of second guessed whether I could choose because I'm so accustomed to thinking of movie scores in terms of traditional orchestras. Yeah. um, That if something is scored with more, you know, kind of rock band type instruments, I thought, Oh, well, does that still count? And I I presume it does. Right. Because Mm -hmm. we're talking about a score. And so, and so that's why my, my last choice is, um, uh david holmes who did uh uh all the movies but specifically oceans 11 from about 20 years ago oh, dude
1: yeah. i was thinking about yeah. this one yeah yeah,
0: yeah. and so th- that's what i mean right is you think of it as like oh yeah because because it has a few i mean there's an elvis song in there and there's a few other kind of specific i think they have claire de lune at one point yes but but that soundtrack that movie is dominated by this just really cool jazzy so funky, slick
1: you know oh yeah
0: just I mean such a such a perfect match for the the vibe and the the atmosphere of that movie you know like and I always joke this isn't necessarily music related but every time I see one of those movies I I just want to go out and shop for clothes right yeah it's like I want to go I want (laughs) to go get a couple new suits right Uh And, and that's the kind of music that you'd walk around town wearing your new suit too and and can you
1: imagine the amount of sales that would be happening in a mall if like that kind of music was (laughs) okay
0: yeah yeah so that was I guess that was the kind of the only one I thought of it's like all right well that's you know because yeah Star Wars obviously and Edward Scissorhands I mean these are very you know even you know Lord of the Rings I mean that's it's kind of your your big well-known well-known scores and maybe maybe that's why I don't feel like I'm quite as as well-versed on this is because I don't, uh, you know, I think a, a lot, a lot of the other ones I, I tend, to, I was, I was telling Mark about this before we, we started the recording, but when it comes to a various artist soundtrack and I hear a song that I really like in a movie, I'll make a mental note and I'll think, Oh, I need to stay for the credits and see who played this, or I'll need to look it up on IMDb or whatever, because I want to go download this song. Definitely. I don't find myself doing that as much with scores and, and maybe because a score blends more, you know, with, with the action and what's, what's happening um, maybe just, you know, for me, but uh, yeah, but that was my list. And so, so now I want to know, cause I am really well, curious. Could
1: I, could I interject here real quick with what you're saying about how you don't do that as much lately. And it's the same for me. And I love film scores. Like that's what I usually listen to more than like anything else. Um, but I haven't been doing that lately because I just, I don't feel like music is being created the same way anymore. Like we don't have those kind of themes or they're, they're considered light motifs in, in the music <laughs> world where it's like, you know, you have a character's central theme, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it's more just like there's just noise and it's a specific tone. But when mm. you don't have those identifying you know, melodies, you you can't, I don't know, connect with it, it's not memorable, so I, I think it's kind of more of a comment on the current state of film scores, that's mm-hmm. why I was like, uh, to be honest, I was kind of disappointed that Dune won film score for last year, because um, I just, it felt like it was noise, and I mean, like, it fit the world, for sure, but it's like, it's not something I'm going to listen to later, because there was nothing that really grabbed at me with it, you know?
0: Well, it, I, I think, and maybe tell me if this is not what you're saying, but okay. what, what your comment makes me think of is how, and I, I'm trying to remember the technical term from this, but how it's not necessarily a melody, but it's almost just an additional acoustic to kind of accent what's going on in the, because yeah, I mean, the thing that springs to mind, just kind of a cool example is how when Hans Zimmer did Dark Knight for the Joker, he just had this screeching sound. Like the Joker's theme is this, you know, screeching on a, on a wire, Mm -hmm. right. Which isn't a theme. It's more of a sound effect. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and as I think about what I remember from Dune, it's not melodies. It's not, they're not songs. They're not movements. Mm -hmm. They're kind of sound echoes of what, you know, they're they're like emotional cues and, And, and honestly, I, I like a lot of what Hans Zimmer does. I don't feel like it varies very much. Like he's, he's got such an identifiable sound that I think if there's, if there's a shortcoming that I would identify in his stuff is that it's harder to distinguish his soundtracks from his other soundtracks. But, um, but yeah, but I don't know if that's kind of what you're referring to is that no, you know, they're, he's I, not really writing melodies and songs and movements and pieces so much as just making. Sounds that match what you're seeing and feeling on the screen.
1: Yeah, no, and and I think maybe it's just kind of how I get all grumpy about like no f- good films are coming out today, right? Um, they don't like make back films in the like old they days. used to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I think it's true because I feel like we're kind of at the end of an era because you know so many of these directors who were big in the '70s and '80s who kind of you know showed this is what. Filmmaking is like these are the kind of guys that I I've studied in school, like you know Spielberg, of course, George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, you know, like all, all of these guys. And now they're like really old, and so it's this new generation of filmmakers, and you know, it's more modern, it's more flashy, there's more CG, and then the the music is more just sound. And um you know, I don't know if it's like I need to like get with the times or, or something, but it's like I, I I love it when that kind of thought is being made in a movie and i'll go back to you know what mark was saying how you know he's able to give these details on here's what the story was and here's how it was reflected in the music and while the music will still match the movie for sure it's like you know you could be doing something a little more something memorable maybe we need more traveling montages in movies so we can get that like adventure music and
0: Mm
1: -hmm. get with the pacing i don't know
0: no, I think I think it's a valid complaint, you know. If I, I I think that it's it's an industry that absolutely will follow trends and things that tend to be more popular and stuff. And yeah. And if if for some reason we're kind of sacrificing a a good thing in pursuit of a current and popular and trendy thing, then that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I have been really, really wanting to know. What movie Mark dislikes but likes the soundtrack for?
2: <laughs> oh, okay. So, that,
0: so let's let's get into the. Let me start with that. We're gonna that. throw everything against the wall, and we're gonna start name dropping soundtracks back and forth.
2: Right, we're just gonna go crazy. This is gonna yeah. be nuts. Your so start us been... start us off. Okay, I'll start you off with that one. Um, it's the Grand Budapest Hotel. It's a okay. Wes Anderson movie. Oh, Wes
1: Anderson stuff is great. And, yeah.
2: And I, the movie itself, I just thought it was over saturated it was indulgent it was like deliberately layered in a way that was like look what i'm doing now a story within a story within a story within a story and it just it felt almost too i I don't know effortful and just it was just too much it was almost like overdoing it on on the wes anderson quirkiness um i mean i think it's beautiful to look at there are really some stunning scenes in it like i guess in all of his movies and there's some funny you know just funny lines and one-liners but overall i i just i was i didn't really love the movie compared to a lot of other movies like the royal tenenbaums but alexander desplat i don't know how you say that it's a french name maybe it's desplat anyway he did the soundtrack and it's a really cool um it's got that feel it's got some piano in it and it's got some i don't know if it's banjo or ukulele music or um, but it's just a catchy tune that I, I, li- I like to listen to. And and I think it's just the Grand Pest, the, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel theme. Um, so that's one that I appreciate. He also cool. did the Imitation Game, which has really oh, great yeah. music, right, right. piano music. Um, and I, by the way, I just got to shout out. I'm really glad you said The Godfather because that was originally on my top five. And then I guess as we were talking, as we were starting, I just didn't mention it because I knew it was going to get some mention. Oh, I okay. feel like well, I especially since we week. recently yeah. covered it. Right. Yeah. So I decided not to, but I, it's a great one. It's another one that mm-hmm. I bought. I actually bought the CD. It was yeah, the same. All the time. same. And something Second that I learned great too. as I Go was
1: um, doing this, I was trying to like figure out instruments and stuff like that for a lot of these mm-hmm. scores. So I watched like live recordings oh, and yeah. that one was cool. Yeah. Like, so cool. It starts out with that video? trumpet. that oh, solo my trumpet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. in this particular recording, he was like up in the rafters like, uh-huh. amongst the audience. <laughs> that's the
2: Danish, that's the Danish orchestra one. I've Yes, the Danish too. orchestra one. Yeah. yeah. Oh cool. my yeah. goodness, it was so cool. Um, and then, so, okay, I think I mentioned Forrest Gump, who uh, yeah. also, yeah. Back to the Future, Alan Silvestri. There's one called The Hours by Philip Glass. It's a great, kind of mournful, sad, but, you know, sort of... Um, it's, a, it's just it's a great movie and then the soundtrack is really good. Um, it's piano music mostly. Um, I mentioned Hans Zimmer. okay, so there's actually three. Now for me, for me interception and Instell- inception and interstellar, it's almost a tie. they are similar pieces of music. The main song from Inception is called Time. And then the one from Interstellar is called Stay, and I suggest I recommend finding both of those on YouTube listening to them. Um, really cool. They're they're repetitive themes and maybe some people don't like that, but they're just so good, uh, so catchy and and a little and and again they 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 fit the movies that that they're in really well. Um, and then he also did the Lion King, which I, it's famous for all the Elton John songs. I was gonna say, I, I, I mean.
0: Elton John is the first thing that springs to mind. Right.
2: That's the first thing. When you think music from the Lion King, everybody thinks, oh, the Circle of Life, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, Hakuna Matata. I mean, all these great songs that are probably among some of Disney's best songs ever. But the the soundtrack, the the score that's in that movie is really, really good. It's almost overshadowed by those Elton John songs. So the next time you watch it, pay attention to the score and it's it's surprisingly good um oh. well
1: that's what made the whole like remember who you are seem like just so beautiful yeah like yeah oh my like gosh oh which actually reminds me you know a movie that has a scene like that where it's like you know just with the orchestra and everything um prince of egypt did that sort mm. of thing like with the burning bush scene and like oh. i you know you were talking about like those songs to, like pump You up on your mission and everything and like that was one for me where it's like god's speaking to me i got this it's great you know and like it's just it's so beautiful and that whole soundtrack was just like really fun with like you know very like the egyptian kind of sounds but also like very kind mm-hmm. of like ethereal kind of sounds like uh, that one is amazing
2: and and uh another one is jurassic park i don't know if we mentioned that one today that's another john Williams, release. right Really I, I
1: did Indiana Jones slash Jurassic Park and then I remember okay. Jurassic Park was one of my top three movies.
2: Oh, so, so you don't want to include that? Well, I <laughs> and another one I didn't include was Life is Beautiful, which I've talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Sure, my favorite yeah. movie. But the soundtrack by Nicola Piovanni is another one that I I have listened to it a lot. It's it's um it's got a kind of a main theme that you hear a few times, but then it has a few other great songs in it. Um that that is, you know, sounds like you know 1940s Italy um, and, uh, and and then there's also um, let's see oh you, I'm glad you mentioned Little Miss Sunshine I didn't have that on my list but I love it um, same oh, with Lord yeah. of the Rings and then I kind of wanted to throw out uh, so Johnny Greenwood is a he's a, the main guitarist for Radiohead and he has started composing music actually in about the mid 2000s um, and he has an interesting uh way with it's not traditional film scores for example he did the soundtrack for there will be blood um, which is which is great and he also did spencer which is this oh wow okay using delirious jazz music that in a way you think well this doesn't really (laughs) fit the movie but when you think of what how the whole movie almost takes place in her head and she's going through this almost psychological breakdown over a weekend it 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 does well. That does like make that sense. Music. Yeah. 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 And, and he, he's done some interesting ones. And so, um, they're, they're not like among my very favorites, but I think they're interesting and they, uh, you know, I, I like, I like how they, they go with the movies that he,
0: yeah.
2: he, he gets hired to do. Um, and it also makes sense when you think of the kind of music that radiohead does, it's just not, not for everyone, but it's interesting, sometimes complex <laughs> music. Um, and I think did I say Lawrence of Arabia? I can't remember, but that's a classic. That's always a great one. Is by Maurice Jar Jarre. I love how I'm probably mispronouncing half of these names, but that's okay. Oh, it's that's all good. good. That's good. We we got your back. Don't worry. Hey, Danny, what are your what are your honorable mentions?
1: I I think I have kind of I threw them in at the beginning just to kind of you know call dibs on them. Um, <laughs> but when Mark was saying kind of like different sort of sounds like um guys remember birdman sure yeah i have like, not seen that okay yeah. so like you know it, it's shot to be as if it's like you know yeah right one shot right like it's continuous so there are these moments where like drums will come in and then you'll like see the drummer like down the hallway or on the street or something or um someone will be like just shouting and that's kind of the noise in the background so it's very much like the in-world kind of sounds, but um, yeah. it, it made it just so lively and everything and energetic and that one was really, really good.
0: That was interesting. Yeah, I've only seen that the one time, but now I kind of want it, to... It, it was an experience, right? Like, there, their movies that are just fun and good, but then there's movies that I, you kind of think of as experiences. And, oh, for sure. And I would... That's, that's one of those. Um, yeah, now you guys... So some of my honorable mentions were ones you guys mentioned, like Back to the Future... Um, I already mentioned Dark Knight with Hans Zimmer. Um, mm-hmm. Now we mentioned James Horner a couple of times, but we didn't mention the movies that I like best from his from his back catalog. Um, he did the soundtrack, or he did the score for um, Star Trek II: Wrath of Khan, which mm-hmm. is like best Star Trek movie. And so it's got to be the best soundtrack to go along with it. Um, That one's no, it's it's a genuinely fun. one. It's a really, really fun one. Uh, He also did one that I think is not a lot of people are going to be aware of. Um, He did the soundtrack score for something wicked this way comes, which I still think is the best Ray Bradbury adaptation ever. Really, really hard to find. You still can't find it on Blu-ray. I think you can still order just a DVD and Disney plus still doesn't have it. It was a Disney production, the early eighties. Um, but Horner did did uh, that one as well. Silverado the kind of the western from the early early 1980s uh, A guy named Bruce Broughton did that and that one it 's one of those ones where I mean the whole thing's good, but just the theme is just absolutely spectacular just a a real I mean the movie itself was meant to be kind of, to kind of to kind of recapture the classic bravado western vibe um, and then on a similar note. Another favorite Western, which was not meant to be kind of a classic Western was Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, Mm -hmm. which had a score from Burt Bacharach, which is just an awesome juxtaposition of Mm -hmm. more of a kind of a contemporary, you know, very, very Mm -hmm. romantic style versus, you know, uh, a backdrop of the, the Old West that you wouldn't really... It was it was really the contrast between those yeah. two that I think that I think made that like uh, now this wasn't part of the score but uh, the the B J Thomas song Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head was yep. something that was used repeatedly in that movie and uh, kind of now I'm trying to remember if okay so now I can't remember this off the top of my head whether Bacharach wrote that song and B J Thomas performed it I but thought
2: he wrote it or co wrote it he might have that that he, does sound
0: right that does sound yeah. right. Um, Cause it sounds like him. I mean, it does, it's, it's got the same, the same vibe uh, in terms of just themes. I put uh, there's a, a, a Bill Murray movie is based on a famous book that I actually finally just read called the razor's edge uh, came out kind of around 84, 85. And that just has an absolutely beautiful orchestral theme. Uh, I put secret life of Walter Midea, uh on there, the kind of the, the non soundtrack, various artist stuff. There's some score stuff in there. That's a lot of fun. Uh, what else was there? Oh, uh, taxi driver jumped out. I mean, when we were talking, you know, we were talking, when you talk about Rocky, oh. I was thinking about 1976. I thought, Oh yeah. Well, taxi driver with uh, uh, Bernard Herman, I think was the, the, the composer. And, and this was just a very, very, you know, I mean, it's cause it's meant to create this, this gritty underbelly city urban type of vibe and there's a lot of brass, and it's very
2: uh, It you know, sounds very, very sounding
0: yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> no, it's, it's, got, it's, it's got a real kind of unique vibe to it. Um, but then kind of to go along with David Holmes from the Ocean's Eleven and the Ocean's movies, uh, another kind of similar one that I really, really loved was a guy named Daniel Pemberton, who did the, the score for Man from U.N.C.L.E. a few years ago. Um, oh, wow. just, just a kind of, well, I guess it wasn't that recent anymore. I think it's probably like six or seven years old now, but, but it was another one of these ones that it was not a various artist soundtrack, but it also was just kind of more traditional kind of rock instruments, but, uh, lots of different, uh, passages and movements and stuff that were really fun. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and like I said, you, you guys covered, you guys picked out a lot of the same stuff that I had. I had noted, I'm glad we talked about back to the future because that <laughs> one, you know, it's, it's fun. Your know, power of love is, a, is an incredible song and probably the first thing you'd associate with it, but then, you know, you, you kind of have that, that classic orchestral
1: oh, yeah.
0: theme as well. Um, and speaking of, because I think Alan Silvestri, he, it seems like he, he teams up with Robert Zemeckis, you know, at mm-hmm. least to, to Forrest Gump. So I, I, I wonder if they've done more collaborations, but
2: yeah they they might have um when you spoke of taxi driver that was bernard herman right yeah yeah okay so he he was probably even more famous for psycho oh did he do psycho oh yeah yeah. there you go and i considered a few of those those ones like psycho and jaws and halloween Uh and it's really for for those ones it's just a few notes it's just like a hook that is famous like like this like the stabbing you know the shower scene in psycho yeah that is just really jarring and scary and that to me is kind of the whole thing that's all that's the whole psycho music that i think of it's not the whole movie you know and same with jaws it's really like so i mean i i think it's good it's great for the scenes with the shark but like overall i have other you know other more favorite uh favorites i, I mean guess.
0: there there are some yeah. really great passages yeah. in that jaws soundtrack that yeah that other other than that but but you're right i mean it's it's yeah 99 known for for that one mm-hmm. little you know theme little um yeah but uh, they, he did kind of the same thing a couple of years later with close encounters you know the oh, uh, yeah. the alien yeah.
2: theme yeah the, the little thing mm-hmm, that they mm-hmm, used to communicate mm-hmm. with them mm-hmm. yep. yeah yeah yep but yeah that's yeah. I, uh, yeah, another one that I, I, sorry, I forgot to mention was First Man. Just, I had to get that in there because I felt Justin Hurwitz was robbed of an Oscar nomination. When that, when the, I remember that year when I saw the movies and was sort of looking at my favorite soundtracks, that was my favorite soundtrack of the year, uh, score of the year. And I thought that it was going to be nominated and maybe win. And then it didn't even get nominated. And I always, I could never figure out why because I thought it was great. It was better than the movie, the, the film score. Um he sure used was, a was great. Yeah, right. Right.
0: No, he yeah. I interviewed him. And Did you interviewed yeah, yeah, yeah. I interviewed him for, for first man. And that's one of the things that he pointed out was that they intentionally only used instruments that were available at that time in the sixties. So they, okay. they wouldn't use anything that had been, you know, used or 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 developed afterwards because they wanted it to be native to that to that time period. But, uh, oh, cool. yeah, no, I mean his, and that one was, I mean, even if I hadn't interviewed the guy, I mean, it, it's kind of always kind of fun because it's like, Oh yeah, I remember I, I got to talk to him and he was, he was really cool and stuff. But, um, but I really love that soundtrack and he did a lot of stuff on, uh, uh, whiplash as well. Mm-hmm. You know, very, very kind of a yep. different, you know, vibe there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it shows some real kind of range and, and diversity. Yeah. I uh, am yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you brought him up that, uh, definitely deserves, deserves mention.
2: As- it's, it's so eerie. I mean, it's like this, cause you're thinking about exploring another world, exploring a moon and you yeah. use this instrument that almost has this high pitched human voice like quality to it. Mm-hmm. And, and it is, and it's used, it was used in songs at the time. Like it's in good vibrations by the beach boys. <laughs>
0: um,
2: you know, it, it's, it's used, but it's just not commonly used. And now of- that reminds you of something else. Okay, oh, cuz I
0: I I had to maybe half jokingly, I had to give a shout out for the soundtrack that didn't happen. Okay. The score that didn't happen because uh and I think this is just a classic rumor, but uh the story that I heard was that originally for 2001, uh Stanley Kubrick was going to have Pink Floyd score the movie oh yeah i
1: think i've heard that have yeah. you heard
0: that one I'd like i yeah. said i don't know I'm not sure that if it's, it's true, true. i and well in the, the rumors that one of their first albums was actually the music that was supposed to be for 2001 but uh now the thing that i do know is because according to the liner notes that's true about 2001 is that all of the music that turned up on the soundtrack was now now because there was somebody else who was actually who actually did put together a score for 2001 and they just decided not to use it because what happened was all of the tracks that we hear in the actual movie were just placeholders that Kubrick picked out as he was making, as he was editing and all that. And just decided at the end that he liked that better than, than the new score that this other composer had come up with. But, but then the, you know, the, the legend was that Pink Floyd was going to be you know, making the score, for, which would have been a totally different, different <laughs> vibe for Um, sure but uh now
1: i I love that idea sorry about like soundtracks that never were because there's this absolutely fascinating video on youtube by um the youtuber sideways um he does all this music stuff i think i mentioned him before because like oh my goodness those videos are just incredible um he talked about the soundtrack for avatar um you know the one that we're going to be receiving a sequel for soon and um how originally because you know they created this whole world this whole culture and everything they wanted to create their own instruments and sounds too and so there were these um music linguistic experts who were kind of like working on that and then they presented it and um it totally got shot down Mm. which is ironic because like in a movie that's all about embracing the culture instead of like you know tearing it down with (laughs) modern humanity um and they totally yeah and 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 that's what happened to the music so i just i find that story fascinating so look into it it's really really
0: cool nice nice now i'm trying to think i maybe this is just me being kind of weird but like i almost for the sake of credibility i'm trying to think about really old like i I, i'm thinking of the theme to gone to the gone with the wind you know there's a very iconic theme and you know because i i know that i personally am going to be inclined to pick out soundtracks from between 1975 and 1985 because those are the ones that just like formed the foundation of my childhood yeah um Mm -hmm. but i just know that uh people you know there's got to be somebody out there listening to this going oh i can't believe you guys
2: you, you didn't mm-hmm.
0: choose, you know you can't oh, yeah. gotta bring up gone with the wind you got to bring up you know right. some of these Wizard of, these, of, Oz. Kind of, Wizard yeah, of Oz.
2: we didn't choose anything from like pre-60s i guess i, I mean yeah we just we just didn't That's even true. i mean Lawrence of the rave or bravia is 62 mm-hmm. uh, yeah. i think that was the same year as good the bad and the ugly so <laughs> yep there were great ones from the the yester years, but yeah <laughs> We just, we Indeed. just have
0: more, more work ahead of us, I guess.
2: Right. Well, I mean, calling out John Williams was, he's probably the greatest all time film composer, right? So. And we've all mentioned different movies that, that mm-hmm. we enjoy of his. And I was lucky enough to go to John Williams night at the Utah Symphony Orchestra three years ago. And it was, it was everything I hoped it would be. I mean, he did all the like classics. It was Schindler's List and Harry Potter and Raiders, and it was funny because he didn't do any Star Wars. Well, not he, but the, you know, Utah yeah. Symphony that was presenting it. But then they did like an encore, and it was the Imperial March. <laughs> and I always remember that because he, I would have thought they would have just done the Star Wars theme, but they chose <laughs> the Imperial March. Um, but yeah, lots of lots of great ones there. If you ever get a chance to go, they do it I like about every year, every other year. They just did it about they a week and a half ago. Oh yeah. But yeah. Um, they do other movies. They'll play a movie and and have have it play the score live. Along no, way. I did. Yeah,
0: I saw that because yeah. I it uh, was the sixth Harry Potter movie that they did earlier this oh. year and uh, a buddy mm-hmm. had some tickets and so we went and saw that it was uh, oh. Half-Blood Prince. Yep. And so, yeah, it was yeah. down at Bravenal Hall and, mm-hmm. uh, and they played live and yeah, yeah. that was... That is cool. That is cool. I, I I second that. If you have that kind of opportunity, it's definitely a fun it, fun experience. And for
1: any movie, I, I would argue. For any so movie. If, if we're wanting to bring up a movie from like before the 60s, I got to do that, but it was for the original King Kong. Oh, and nice. the wow. IU Symphony was doing it.
0: 33.
2: And, oh,
1: my goodness. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah.
0: There we go. Credibility oh, restored. Cool. There you we go. go.
2: <laughs> well, and, and we got to go. My wife and I have seen, well, we saw Ghostbusters. We saw um, Casablanca, which is from the 40s oh, yeah. and that was her first time seeing it. So the first time she saw that movie, she got to see it on a big screen with the live orchestra. That's and cool. then we both saw Singing in the Rain for the first time in that, that way. Okay. So, and that's from okay. the 50s. So yeah, we, we've got some cred. <laughs> I didn't bring up
1: singing in the rain just cause I'm like that one would be a musical one, but we yeah, watched that one recently and oh,
0: yeah. it's right. so good. So. Well, we'll, we'll see how we feel maybe down the road. we'll we might uh, break out a, a musical themed mm-hmm. episode or, yes. uh, and make the uh, we'll go for the, the musical hat trick. Mm-hmm. But uh, but in the meantime, I think we have definitely given our listeners something to uh, if, if you haven't heard any recommendations for new movies in the last Hour and a half. Um, <laughs> then uh, I, I don't know what else we can tell you. <laughs> but, but what I what I can tell you is to uh, please go to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you happen to be uh, enjoying this uh, this content, and give us a positive review. Give us five stars, thumbs up, whatever they uh, offer, and help build us up and hey if you got any ideas for stuff for subjects you'd like us to cover musical or not please let us know we would love to hear them and uh, hopefully wherever you are you are being excellent to one another and we'll catch you next time